I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc., all one word. That's K I N D P H A R M S I N C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, I am so excited to have the amazing, that talent that is going to take over the world, Rebecca Breeds. You know her right now as playing Clarice in the new show Clarice, but you've seen her in other things like Pretty Little Liars, the originals. She's amazing, and she takes so much time in this episode to paint out her journey, the ups, the downs, and I know the best is yet to come. I love you, Rebecca. Here it is. Rebecca Breeds, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing? I'm fabulous. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you for having me. It means so much having you on. I mean, you are you are doing, I think, the hardest job in acting right now where you are playing a character that's probably I think probably the most historic female character in Hollywood you know if we if we deal multi-generational and the difference between good acting and great acting is like rising to an occasion and being able to come in and make something your own that's already existed before and bring something new to it and and do it like in such a beautiful and profound way without feeling trapped by that and I have so much fucking respect for that. I mean, it's 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 incredible, and everything else you've done in even in other shows like the originals. You know what I mean? It's 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 hard to be great in those things, and you're an incredible actress, and I love the work that you do, and I'm just so fucking excited for all that's going to come. And I'm sorry for cussing, but I'm stoked to have you here. <laughs> Don't apologize, and thank you. Like far out, dude. What an intro. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, oh, dude. It's a pleasure to have you on. But uh, you know what? If, if it's cool with you, let's start from the very beginning. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in the burbs of Sydney. Um, my parents are first gen. They they came on the boat from England. Not a, It was a plane. They're not that old. Um, but yeah, they were escaping the class system and wanted to give me and my brothers like a better opportunities. And so, yeah, we grew up in the outskirts of Sydney and had a really lovely, normal kind of life, which I'm very happy to say. 
So do you, did you grow up in the UK or were you born there first and then went or? Uh, I was, I was born in Australia. So I'm first gen Aussie kid. Amazing. And that's incredible. So then what was it like uh, growing up there with two British parents in a new country? Did you have an idea that, you know, you, your parents were from some other land and you were, you know. It, It always blows my mind because like we, like there was some, you know, the, the good and bad came with it. Right. So. Uh, you know, I remember them telling me about like someone wrote go home poms on their like driveway one morning, like even, you know, we've, it's so crazy to think that even like 20, 30 years ago, there was that level of, you know, even in like, like my own parents feeling that level of discrimination. And now it's funny. I always felt, I can't believe we're going straight into this, but like a lot of my friends were, um, first generation born kids of immigrants because my parents, you know, lots of people already had their families and their communities, but we didn't have anyone. So a lot of our community and our family that we built were other people that were like new to Australia. So a lot of my friends were also first gen immigrants, but their skin would be a different color or their last name would not be so Anglo. And they would have, they had a much different experience to me. You know, I was kind of like an immigrant in disguise almost like we, we, no, I had Marmite instead of Vegemite and I said yogurt instead of yogurt and like garage. And I remember the first time I, it said vitamin my whole life. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take my vitamin C. And everyone's like, it's vitamin, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's vitamin, you're an idiot. Yeah. And then I remember the day, I think I was in year four, I conceded and I was like, I want to fit in. So I'm yeah. just a vitamin, you know, and I, I just did it. But yeah, it, it's funny. I, I feel like it was a, a good experience for me because I could you know, I was just the, I, I'm just the same. I'm a, I'm a kid with parents that came to a new country for better opportunities. It's just, yeah. I didn't suffer like discrimination because I just don't physically look different. And so it always, you know, it's really important to, to look at things from someone else's perspective and realize that we're all kind of the same and how ridiculous it is. I, I, I couldn't agree more, especially in the, the, the probably perhaps the most xenophobic administration, you know, that just ended and, and with fascism on the rise, it's, it, it's really that awareness of, of being able to support someone, whether they look different or don't look different and just being able to recognize the humanity in someone, not yeah. the differences, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like it, it like to like when I think of like, oh, I'm exactly the same. I'm like, this is absurd. This is absurdity. It's yeah. just, you know, you realize the absurdity of it all. But um, yeah, you know. What, anyway, t- so that, that was my my foray into Australia. But yes, very, very, um, you know, middle class, normal kid. That was the- my next question. Are your, are your parents artists? What do they do? No, they both work for the government. Um, I mean, my dad, like my dad's, that's where the artistic streak comes through for sure. And his dad, Dennis Breeds, bless him. Um, he, I'm pretty sure, like he was, he was a, he drew and did stuff, but he wanted to be an actor. But then um, the war broke out, World War Two, and um, he had to go serve in the war. And by the wow. time he came back, it was like he had a kid on the way, and so he, you know, he didn't really have the opportunities that I have. He he became a teacher. Um, and so that's a lot of the reason I've kept my maiden name as well um, in my, you know, in yeah. 
privileged enough to be in this industry is that I recognize that, you know, my, my grandfather would have loved to do this and he didn't get the opportunity because of the times he was born in. And, you know, thanks to, you know, my forebearers, I, I have been blessed to be in a world and have the opportunity to actually, you know, I said to my parents, I want to be an actor and they didn't go, that's ridiculous. You're an idiot. Go to yeah. university. You know, they were super supportive and I got that opportunity and I like to pay homage to to the people in my family before me that didn't didn't get this kind of privilege. It is to even try to be an actor is, is, is a privilege. A lot of people didn't even get this opportunity. So even to be in the race is is awesome. So that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Is is your grandfather still with us? No, Dennis. Uh, he, no, he, we're dedicating uh, this one to Dennis. Dennis Breeds. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure he's watching over me. Absolutely, and super proud. But um, yeah, he passed away when I was like 13, so it was a long time ago. But um, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. And my dad, you know, he's a writer, and we love music. My mom is like, you know, as Taipei as they come. So like, <laughs> I got a pretty good balance. Yeah. Um, uh, in me, yeah. Are you the only sibling? No, I got two big brothers. Oh, amazing. So talk to me then, you know, when you were growing up having big brothers, I know usually having an older sibling, like the culture they're absorbing can trickle down to you. Was that like, were you getting records and music and television from them? Like, how did that happen? Uh, not really. I mean, we were on a pretty good diet of like British culture. Cause I think my parents missed home, which is, oh, like, wow. so I was watching like the goodies and keeping up appearances and absolutely fabulous and the bill and heartbeat. Like that was, you know, that was the sun. That yeah. was what I grew up watching, you know, on Saturday nights we'd sit at home watching the borrowers and then we'd, you know, watch some, whatever British film was on. So, I mean, that was a lot of my influence. I really loved it. I mean, the goodies is such a good show. I don't know if you've seen the goodies. No, I, I have to now, you know, that, that's high praise. Is that, is that like a BBC original or? Well, I, I don't even, even know. I don't know who produced it. It was just the time where you put the VHS tape in and you press record and you try and pause it for the ads. Oh, and God, I remember those days. We just had tapes and tapes and tapes of, like, the goodies and then The Simpsons. That's what I used to watch with my brothers. But, um, yeah, yeah, they're cool. They're cool. They're quite a bit. They're four and five years older than me. So, um, you know, growing up, <laughs> you feel like they're on a different planet. Yeah. And then you get older and you're like, oh. We're exactly the same, you know. Totally. Yeah, that's the beauty of family. It all comes full circle. Well, then talk to me, you know, as as you were consuming all this content, what did your relationship with the arts look like, you know, going to elementary, well, I don't know what it's called in Australia, but here we call it elementary school, you know, uh, where did the like kind of inclination in, in the interest in arts start to happen? Like for me, it was a very specific moment where in retrospect, I'm like, oh, like that's when I knew I was... I'm going to say I was like three or four. No and way. Especially when you're an immigrant family as well, we needed to like find a community in the local church is a really good way to do that. So my parents, you know, found the local Baptist church they went to and they had a lot of like programs after school and Sunday school and all that kind of stuff. And there was this one, one weekend, one Sunday morning they had, I think it must have been school holidays because they had like a, you know, all the kids come down the front and sit at the front and they had like a guy that came and told the story and it was this story about how Jesus calms the storm and he had like white paper on an easel and he would turn the pages over and he would draw with charcoal and he would draw the story as he told it. I'll never forget. 
he was like, uh, he was talking about the storm, right? And here's the boat on the water and the waves were crashing and he draw this big crashing wave and the lightning was coming down and the rain was pouring and the wind was howling and he'd be drawing all this stuff with the charcoal and he goes, and the, and the thunder was clapping and I was like, kaboom! <laughs> Jumped up and yelled kaboom! Like, because I was so enraptured with this story and it was like, trying to just get like I embodied I was living it and I just had to express it it just jumped out of me in this almighty eruption yeah there's so in the story and I just had to physicalize it and then like there's the whole like church erupted in laughter behind me and I turned around I was like oh bonjour I like (laughs) this is pretty cool Oh, yeah. you know, they're all laughing at me. I'm amazing. Like, I'm hysterical. And so you were made he, for it. And then he, like, did it again. And I jumped up again and went, kaboom again. And everyone's like, oh, pretty lame when she, like, does uh, it. Second take, station. you know. Uh, I'm a first <laughs> take guy, too. Yeah. Yeah, you got to yeah. get the first take. But also, like, it was so obvious, like, oh, she's going for a bit of validation now. Like, it's a bit, like, try hardy. So I learned a very important lesson that day, you know, just, like, don't do it to try and get validation and praise from people. Like that's not what the arts are about. Um, so, you know, it was a big day for a three-year-old. But, you know, after that it was I the next big thing, they didn't have like drama at my elementary school, but I remember me and my friends, it was Charlotte Allen and Melanie Spooner, of course, it's first and last names because it's like elementary school. Oh, right? of course, yeah. I remember the first and last names. And I like I'd watched Lion King so many times. I knew it from top to tail. I knew every word. And we were like running around the playground at every lunch and recess. And we would start the movie here and we'd get through to this bit and we'd kind of pause it. And I'd be directing like, okay, you're going to be Zazu. And obviously I'm Simbo and you're Nala. Like maybe I was a little bit bossy, but I'd like to say I was being a director. Yeah you know, and we're going to do this bit. And then she says this, and then we climb up this thing. And then we sing this song and then school will go back and be like, all right, pause. And then I remember, and then the next break, you know, recess or lunch or whatever, be like, okay, this is where we left off. And then we tell the next part of the story. And then they say this. And like, I just remembered it like so visually and would act the whole thing out. And then a couple of years later, we'd make plays of bless and miss Kerr in year four. Me and my best friends, we had this, like, good posse of girls. And we would go and make up plays about God knows what, crazy stuff. And we would come back after every, like, lunch and recess and, oh, Miss Kerr, Miss Kerr, we have something to give the class. Oh, be really quick, we'll be really quick. She'd be like, all right, you know, she doesn't want to dampen our creativity. And, like, without fail, we'd start doing this play that we'd all, like, made up and created. And it would go for, like, 25 minutes, completely ruin her lesson plan. And she'd sit there, like, really patiently being like, is that it? Oh, okay. Uh, oh, good. Thank you. Well done. You know, thank you, everyone. So she humored us and, you know, it was great. This is what school's about. And then yeah. I think, you know, but there were no like specific programs necessarily until maybe I was 12. And I remember standing in my bedroom and looking in the mirror and I'd be like trying to tell some story about something. And I I, I remember like having this kind of out-of-body experience where I saw myself doing it and I went, this is weird. This is strange. This is not normal. You need to like figure out what you're going to do with this because like looking in the mirror and like acting out this horrible thing that happened is not healthy. So I went to my mom and I was like, mom, I think, I think I should go to like a drama class or something. And she goes, I think that's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out mom. I think it's about time, you know, that we channel this into something healthy, you know, a bit weird, you know. So she took me to like a local, you know, up the street in Engadine where I'm from. 
a little uh, local drama class. And then we would like play space jump and just do improv games because we were just kids having fun and that's all it was. Yeah. Um, until uh, the the teacher who I loved, her name was Brenna, she moved. She went to a dif- different, um, she didn't teach there anymore. She went somewhere else. It was about half an hour away and I was so, I just loved this teacher so much that I'm like, mom, can I follow her? Like I want to go. And she's like, well, you're old enough now. So catch the train and you can go. So I catch the train on a Monday night and going to Rockdale and I would, um, my friend Kalia and I actually ended up doing it together and we just decided to dress up. So every week we would go to like the local, we call it an op shop, like an opportunity shop or some Vinnie's, whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Salvation Army, you know, and we, we'd find some like a big ball gown or we would, you know, and we'd be like princesses or we would go as, you know, inner city waitresses with a bit of a goth vibe. And yeah. like every week we just pick characters and go as new things and just turn up to the class and the teacher would be like, oh, who are you this week? <laughs> it all comes back to the church moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, here we are doing this today. Love the enthusiasm. Uh, so we're going to play this game. Yeah. That, that's all it was. It was all just exploration and expression and fun. And and then one day this lady came into the acting class at Rockdale and she's like, and they're like, hey, Rebecca, this lady wants to talk to you in a room by yourself. Could have been a bit dodgy. But anyway, they're like, yeah. she wants to just talk to you about something. So, oh, count me in. Yeah. So I go to this room, this lady, she's like, mm, can you just like look at this wall of photographs? Just, just pretend that you're reading postcards. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. And I'm like reading postcards. She said, mm, that's great. Thanks. And then I went away and I found out later on that she was making a student film and that it was my first audition. And I was like, what do you mean? You didn't what? even know. Wow. Yeah, like, what is an audition? Like, what is this world? I didn't know. Turns out the, the drama class I'd followed this teacher to was um, like an agency. It was a, a drama class that, that existed for an agency. And this lady um, who ran it were like ended up being an agent. And I had no idea that just by proxy of being a part of the class, I was yeah. now kind of being sent out for stuff, but like people came to me. And then I think I was about 15 and mom and I were getting excited about like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? I can, like, I can do this professionally. Like people would hire me to like act on stuff. Like it was so far from our world. Like I said, my parents are both public servants, essentially working for the government. No one in any kind of proximity to me or my family had any kind of access to the industry. I didn't even know it was something accessible to me. I thought it was something in a magical land far off in a different dimension yeah. that other people got to do. I didn't know you could do it. Um, so the world, that world was kind of starting to open up. And so we found an agent and I auditioned to be in her agency and I got in and I went to this lady at the at the class and I was like, oh, my goodness, not my teacher. It was the lady who ran it. And I was like, hey, guess what? I have something so exciting to tell you. I, I, I used my initiative and I found this lady. She's an agent and she, like, I auditioned and she let me in and she's put me on her books. She's going to send me for audition. She's like, how dare you do that? I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, I'm your, this is an agency. And I'm like. I didn't know. You never told yeah, me. Yeah. Let me a little chat with a lady in a room. And now, and she's like, you can't come to this class anymore because this class is only for people in this agency. And I was like, but I didn't even know that was a thing. 
I didn't even know that this was really what that was and that I couldn't have, like, just so green. Like, I didn't understand, like, exclusivity and we hadn't signed a contract and I didn't know, I I didn't even know. And she hadn't sent me out on anything. Yeah, so whatever, good loss. So I didn't know. The sad thing is she was like, you can't come to this class anymore because it's only class. And I was like, oh, okay, that's sad. So anyway, I became a part of this agency, which essentially I ended up just doing an absolute bog load of extra work, which was really fun. I would be just sent out to whatever was shooting. I think my first ever extra role was on a show called The Artful Dodger, which was a you know a bunch of kids on this show. And then um, I did extra work on the set of a soap in Australia called Home and Away. Wow. And I remember there's this actress who I think is so lovely and so beautiful her name's isabel lucas people know who i'm talking yeah about. yeah of course yeah. and she was she was saying words she had her backpack on and her school uniform and she's you know oh my lord i was in awe of her and she's walking around saying the lines and i'm in the background you know i had my like bullshit 4am background artist call time yeah oh, God. to a school dress they're like put your hair up all right stand yeah. over there you know how they so cold yeah <laughs> 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 But I loved it. I was like, oh, my gosh, what do you mean? I get, like, $14 an hour to, like, you know, hear them say rolling in action. I'm like, what? They said and the lights are so big, you know. And the lights and someone gave me a costume to wear and I'm like, I'm a school kid going to school. Watch me be the best school kid going to school you've ever seen. And I'd be walking around in the background. I remember she would, she was saying the words and I was like, oh, one day I want to be the girl who says the words, you know. Yeah. Which I'm sure is the dream of many a background artist. And totally. I absolutely am the girl, the background artist with the dream to be the girl who says the words. And it was a crazy, uh, like, journey. Obviously, I'll fill that in if you want me to. But you Yeah, know, please, yeah. Look, so you did that for a few years? Well, I was on and off doing that. But, like, I think it was, like, five or six years later, I got a regular in Home and Away. And no I was- way! It all came full circle? circle and I was the girl saying the words and I you know that's why like always whenever there are background artists working on anything I'm on I'm like uh, like uh, there's no difference between us like it's just my really weird unfoldment because there's a bit of magic in that right like we weren't an industry family I didn't know this existed it was pure kind of chance and luck and just kind of saying yes to the next thing or follow really following your heart. And then all of a sudden I'm in this thing called the industry, which I didn't know was a thing. Um, and then just doing extra work and skipping school to do extra work. Cause I just love being on set. Yeah. And then I got, uh, I did start getting sent for auditions for ads. So then I did a few commercials and then I was like, and were your parents receptive oh. to this? So like, were they like, this is great. Or, were, or was it weird? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit weird, but my dad particularly, the amount of, I don't know how many different excuses he had to make up, but he would get out of work somehow and he would pick me up from school and drive me into the city and we'd, like, hammer it out at a cattle call with another, like, 100 kids. And, you know, the amount of auditions that, like, I, of course, didn't get were... Yeah. I couldn't even name them, you know, all... Or, you know, the 4 a.m. call times to be an extra on the back of this. But, like, whenever I got the call from my agent, I was like, I'm there, I'm doing it. And they'd be like, yeah, it's work experience. And, you know, I always did my homework. I always kept up with school. And it wasn't a lot. It was, like, you know, a couple of times a year. But, you know, yeah. the auditions, 
there are a lot of auditions and my dad and I just like, I just remember like we were always, always late. So he's always like, you know, we had a Tarago with a whistly pipe. If people have had Taragos, I don't know if your Taragos, the exhaust pipe ended up having this weird whistle. I always knew when my dad was coming because this is embarrassing, like whistly Tarago car. We'd like run up to this audition. He's like, it's in that one. Get out. I'll find a parking spot. Run. Okay. Bye. Good. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Dan. I'd like run in with my school bag, throw it down, run in with my like, sides and try and do an audition and yeah you know just little bit by little bit you know you get a little bit more experience and you know they were all for it I don't know if they knew it was gonna they were just super supportive they're always just like whatever you want to do go for it and and do it we're not gonna tell you I think I was always a very determined outspoken young lady and I think they always knew that like trying to tell me what to do was not gonna happen (laughs) yeah and it sounds like you're very curious as well which is the best thing to be as an actor you know yeah absolutely yeah very adventurous I'm a very adventurous person I think crossing to you know I yeah I'd just be like well let's give that a go who knows what I'm gonna do I'm I'm curious because I also don't come from a performing actor family that's why I'm hosting a podcast while I audition but you know I I'm curious you know because for so many of us that don't have that like navigating this industry is is just like trial and error trial by fire you know like as you started getting these auditions did you even know like okay I need to get a line so I can get a second line so I can get a third line or was it just like let's just keep going till this see where it goes yeah I just said yes hey we have to audition for that okay I'll go and like audition to be the I, I think I must have done like three or four KFC and McDonald's ads. Like that. Wow. We, We're going to have to roll those now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just remember the craziness of like, they, you'd be like this cold meat patty and this oh, stale I, bread. And then the lady would so perfectly put the squirt of like tomato ketchup, but like right at the front with the one piece of onion and the pickle and it would be sticking out to the camera side and you'd be biting into this like piece of roadkill going like, mm. oh. Oh but, you know, I was like, this industry is nuts. But, yeah, like every, I don't know, every little thing is just you're always gleaning information and learning and adding it to your little, like, hard drive of what is this? What even yeah. is this? You know, and it was cool to start so much from scratch. And, you know, there were the hard times where you're like, you know, oh, I got kicked out of drama class because I didn't understand how that worked yeah. there was another you know that then I was like doing my final exams in school and at that point as well I was doing a lot of like just local musical theater so that was kind oh, of so you're a proper singer as well well yeah I was trying to be <laughs> I wanted to I, I wanted to be an actress when I was littler when I didn't really understand that it was a thing and then I think when I was a teenager I wanted to be like a singer-songwriter yeah and then I was yeah so I was doing like well, the thing is I wanted to do dancing classes, acting classes and singing classes. And my mom and dad were like, A, it's too expensive. B, you do not have the time to do that amongst all the sport you do. So, like, you have to consolidate or pick something. So I wanted to do – that's right, and I wanted to do musical theatre. So I gave up dancing for musical theatre. So then that became the, like, dancing, singing, acting conglomerate yeah. kind of – but that was awesome because I met a community of people who loved what I loved doing. Um, and acting is part of that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. And, and, you know, some of my best friends were there and I learned how to, you know, you do your own makeup and you get into costume and you wait, you know, for your part and then you run on stage and you're part of that collective um, experience and live audience. That was just intoxicating. Like, yeah, I loved, I loved, loved musical theatre, but I was not trained enough as an actress and I don't think I had the range as a singer to be able to, like, really go down that you know, that that road, even though I love live performance and I miss live performance yeah, a yeah, lot as well. Me too. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. really fun. But that kind of satiated me a lot through the school age because there wasn't a lot of auditions and that was actually really for the best for me because I got to finish school and have all the normal experiences that someone going through school gets to have. Yeah. And then I, got, I went to university and I did like a, I couldn't really decide, but I knew I wanted to do what I was doing, you know. So I did like a double degree in music, arts and film. In Australia? Yeah, in Australia. And it was kind of weird. After I I wasn't in my like favourite part of my life just then, there was a lot going on. But I remember looking at the third and fourth years and I was like, you're all exactly the same. Like they were dressing the same, they were talking the same. This is particularly in the music um, department they all played the same. They were really good, but they were all doing the same thing. And I was like, but isn't the point, at least for me, like I, I'm not there to be in an orchestra, you know, I'm I'm there to, I wanted to be an actress or a singer-songwriter. I needed to create original content or do something that only I could do, which is, you know, I'm nothing spectacular. I'm not the most beautiful girl in the world. I'm not from acting. You're world. beautiful, you know, inside and out. <laughs> I was really... <laughs> Fishing for that compliment. Oh, I had to say it. Thanks. (laughs) No, but, you know, there wasn't anything spectacular about me. And so I was like, if I'm going to have any feet to stand, if I'm going to be able to do what I I love in this world, i got to offer what only I can offer, which is me, you know, whatever that is. And I just realised that kind of being taught what's right and wrong creatively a, probably doesn't exist, and B, I could get really good marks on exams and get a degree, but was that going to facilitate me being all that I could be and yeah. offering what only I could offer and being a pretty good girl who likes to do the right thing and likes to get good marks and all that? I know that I I was worried that I was going to kill a part of myself that maybe didn't colour between the lines but was something interesting. Yeah. And... I so I did I knew I had to do some soul searching so I deferred university um at the end of six months and then I ended up this is actually a weird story do you have time for me to just keep talking oh please talk all you I'm I'm loving it please all right well I (laughs) so I was going to this I had some friends that were a part that had um that were going to Uganda to help this um, organisation called Watoto that were building families and rehabilitating children of war. And, you know, they would, like, create this little community and they build houses and then a mother who either her children had moved out or she couldn't have children, she would adopt these eight children. And then men from the local church would kind of be designated a family and they would be the father figure and there'd be schools and hospitals and that was all like kind of this artificial community but to try and rehabilitate this war-torn part of Uganda. And it was amazing and they have this choir called the Watoto Children's Choir and they travel the world and they do these amazing, 
beautiful performances and then you fall in love with them and you're like, oh, my gosh. And, it, like, every kid who's a part of Watoto gets a year to go on tour and gets to sing and travel. So it's a beautiful thing. Anyway, my friends were going on that and I wanted to help with their fundraiser one day. So I went down and helped with their fundraiser and we were packing up the tables and I said to one of them, Sarah, I was like, hey, I packed this down. Is there anything else I can do? She goes, well, actually, it's interesting you ask. And I was like, oh, where is this going? She goes, one of our girls just dropped out last minute. We leave in two weeks. No way. Um, or it was like a month or something like that. And she's like, we actually have a spot available. Do you want to come? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, yeah, do you want to come to Africa? And I was like, you know, I think I was 18 at the time. Yeah, I was 18. And I was like, well, how much? She goes, it's five grand. And I was like, oh, mate, I don't know if I can afford that. Like yeah. that is great because you, you have to pay for, you know, your flights and accommodation, but also part of that is contributing to the raw materials because we were part of a crew that was going to build um, build the homes. Home. Yeah, 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 yeah. You kind of go on the building crew and you stack bricks and learn how to do mortar and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so I went away and I just had a quiet moment and I just, you know, said to the powers that be, I was like, right, if this is meant to happen for me, I'm available, but like, I don't know, give me a sign or something. And then the next day I got a call saying, you have an audition for a Vitabrits ad, like Wheat Bix. I don't know if you guys have Wheat Bix or Vitabrits. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went on to this Vitabrits commercial and just did the thing. And they're like, you got it. I was like, awesome. <laughs> and they're like, so the, the payment is $5,000. No like, way. Divine what? intervention. All on divine intervention. So I was like, all right, I'm going to Africa. Let's go. So I gave them the, I did the ad, gave them the money. And um, did you tell went. parents or no? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Now, like, okay, be safe. <laughs> Have fun. But they trusted we were part of the organization. And Sarah was a bit older than me. So she'd like, you know, she was taking, there was a crew of us and I knew everyone. So, you know, it was going to be a big adventure, but you know, my parents are very adventurous. So that'd be the pop calling the kettle black. If they're yeah. like, you can't go. Um, so I went and we had an amazing time that had, you know, obviously I turned 19 there and Aww. I remember I spent my birthday in um, the baby orphanage. It's called Bullrushes and it's all the, the, the babies, the abandoned, like, babies 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 and I there was this little boy called Moses Jr and they're like do you want to feed him and I'm like oh no because I'm the, I'm the baby of my family with no relatives in the country right so yeah. I don't have a lot of exposure and they just gave me Moses Jr in a bottle and I was feeding this kid and he's got the most beautiful big gorgeous deep brown eyes I've ever seen and he's just like ah Aww. and while I was feeding him and so we're gonna get I'm just going into this story because it's a good story. It has nothing yeah, to please do it. They, it's just those, but I guess it is a part of acting because it's a part of humanity and, and being be, human yeah. and learning about humans and getting out of your very small little world of experience. When having life experience. You can't teach that in a drama school. You know, you this is what it, the acting yeah. is, is that right there, that trip. Yeah. And they said to me, do you want to know, you know, Moses Jr.'s story? I was like, I don't know, do I? And they're like, well, you know, this beautiful little boy, his mom was 14, she was raped, and the family were like, you have to get rid of this baby. It's it just, you know, it's disgraced you and now it's going to be hard to get you married and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, I'm not getting rid of it, I'm not getting rid of it. And she had the baby and tried to keep him and they were like, well, you can't keep him because we can't afford him and you, you, and, and you can't you have to go with the baby and so 
you know, she was like, well, I couldn't feed him. There, there was no choice for her, but at least the bulrushes orphanage was there and she knew it was there. So she ran to them and she gave them her four-day-old baby. And this 14-year-old cried her eyes out and she's like, he's my child. He's my baby. And as soon as I'm 18 and I get to make my own choices, I'm coming back for him. Please, can you look after him? It Like, it still gets me to this day. And I And I've got this little boy who's just this perfect, gorgeous little human. And I just, like, that was how I spent the morning of my 19th birthday, just going like, oh, my gosh. Like, the experience that people that people go through and the and the formidability if that's a word of the human spirit and of love and trauma and, you and, know and trauma and all of that coming together in in this little ex- human with this experience that i was having was just it changes you, you know, it changes you. And, and, you know, and we got to do awesome stuff too. We went on safari, I went whitewater rafting, it was awesome. And then the crew I was with were like, yo, do you want to come to South Africa with us for a bit? We're going to go to Johannesburg. And something in me was like, uh, I should go because when else am I going to do that? Like, that's cool. And I was having such a great time with everyone, but something in me was like, go home back. Like you need to go home. Yeah. So I got home and dad picked me up in the car and of course, in the car, no, in the carriage. Sorry, sometimes <laughs> on a horse. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Like, way to paint the picture. Dad picked me up and he goes, "Oh, um, your agent called yesterday. Oh, while you're on the plane, and there's an audition for this show." And I was like, "Oh, like a ah." Oh. There was one more step in there. I got a, I got a small part on a feature film, which was my first before I went to Africa after oh. the Vitabrits commercial. There was a film that came up called Newcastle. And I got cast as like the, yeah, that was your first like, role, right? Yeah, yeah, as like the fugly best friend thing, and I was like the fugly best friend, friend of the like this hot surf. That's chick. me, not you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great, it was a great role, um, Leah. But that was my first thing that wasn't an ad or extra work where I was a girl who got to say words. Right, that was yeah. the first thing. And we went to Newcastle and shot that for two months. I met some of my best friends, had the most amazing time. And I would just re- I always remember my first morning, I turned up to set and I sat in the makeup chair and we were creating the character in the makeup chair. And I was like, I'm home. Like I'm home on this level that I'd never experienced before. It was like something in me clicked. And I know so many actors that have gone to set and have had that experience of like, I'm home. Yeah. This is the thing. I. It's like something I never knew well I always missed it but I never knew what it was until the experience of actually being on a set like being on it in in that environment specifically like in a the purpose of, of your life you felt that the innate calling you know it's yeah, def- you know, it's like the power higher than yourself whether you're religious or not you know that's that's when you feel that you know yeah it's something like something's clicked with me being here I'm I'm walking I'm kind of uh, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I was walking down the garden path, but now I've gone in the house. It's like a deeper sense of like homeness to it, which is a very powerful experience. And that's also part, I think, of why, I, no, that was after I deferred uni. I don't know. I'm old now. I'm forgetting things about my life. Um, but anyway, I'd done this short, I'd done that film, that feature film, and then I'd gone to Africa and then I'd come back and then I got a call for this TV show and I went in the next day. It turns out it was the same producers that did the feature film that had called me into audition for this kids show they were now doing. So there was a point of connection there now. And, um, yeah, so I went in the next day and I got this role. 
um, for Blue Water High season three, which did is like twenty eight episodes, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I think. I only did, oh, did season three do 28 episodes? I don't know. But all I know is I'd done extra work on Blue Water High seasons one and two. It was a massive fan. And now all of a sudden, like. No I'm, way. It all came full circle again? Yeah. Oh, actually, I'd had one of my first guest characters. In fact, yeah, my second guest character. My first ever guest character was on a show called Water Rats where I had no words, but I found a severed finger on a beach and chased someone with it. So that was my first ever role. Very glamorous. And then the second one was I played, I think her name was Tina, but I had like two lines in season two of Blue Water High. And then I got a lead in the season three and came back as Cassie. Like A totally different character, same hairstyle and everything. Yeah, same, exactly the same. And (laughs) right next season, like it wasn't even like, oh, but it was four seasons ago. I was like, remember from last season? Hey, (laughs) but I'm this person now, which happens, you know, all the time is fine. But um, yeah, so then we shot that show. That was six months. And that was a that was a really immersive experience. That when, that's when I was like, you know, because a feature film is great, but I wasn't, I didn't have a whole lot. It's not like I was number one in the call sheet. I wasn't there all the time. And, yeah. And you're, if you're, if there's a, you know, tear on those sets and it can be, you can very much feel you're in your place, you know? Yeah. And I, I was just happy to be in it, but to be in it on a whole nother level where, you were in almost every scene and you knew all the crew's names now because you spent that much time there and you had like a, a you know, a routine when you went to set and, oh, this is how we do the makeup and do I fold and hang my clothes after the day or do I not? Like you start yeah. to figure out that kind of who you are as an actor, not just as the creative, but who you are as a professional and totally how all that comes into it because that was enough experience and then we had four days left on that show and oh I had two more really good stories for you what I'm please okay so a couple of years earlier I I got a guest part I'd gone for a role on home and away this soap the one where I wanted to say the words and I was in the la- I was in the final two for this role and I was so excited about it this was right when I was finishing high school and I didn't get it um which is probably for the best because I needed all my other life experience, yeah. which was so valuable to me. Like I said, the, the, you know, the stories we have. Um, and they called me afterwards with kind of the consolation prize. They're like, hey, you didn't get that character, but we have another character who um, we need for a couple of days. Do you want to come and do this guest character? And I was like, oh, my gosh, amazing, yes. She plays guitar. She was like, and you know, I was, I play guitar. So I was like, this is amazing. I get to like go to set and I still get to go to work, which is awesome. Um, and the day before we shot, and this is, yeah, the day before I was set to go to set, I got the pages because it, it was an offer, not an audition. And I read yeah. the pages and I was like, so she like, she kind of like, um seduces this guy on a beach and then she starts she kind of throws herself on him and starts making out with him and they're rolling around in the sand and then the girl's character who I actually went for comes up and she's like yo that's my boyfriend like what are you doing and I'm like what are you doing ho like you're not even here and it was this <laughs> and then she like gets up and storms away you know this really one-dimensional character who was just like you know, having a real kind of hoey moment in yeah. her life. And, and I, like, I was uh, still very naive and innocent and the thought of, like, just going to set and kissing some boy, like, to me I was like, there's nothing, 
you know, and also I was like, I'm going to, if I'm going to be in this industry, I want to make a difference. You know, I want to say yeah. something important and I want to set a good example for for younger people. And, do, you know, I have all these high aspirations that maybe part of it, well, a lot of it is true, but I think a lot of it as well is a kid trying to talk the, uh, trying to maybe justify or barter with themselves that their career choice isn't just some egoic pursuit of fame and fortune. Of course, but like, I think every actor is doing that. You know, the only honest actor, at least I should say. Right. It's not yeah. just, I want everyone to love me and all the people that tease me in primary school for being a fat kid are going to rue the yeah. day. Cause look at me now. Oh, you know? oh God. Yeah. yeah. Like question, is that what I'm here for? Is that what I'm doing? You know, no, I'm here because I'm going to make the world a better place and I'm going to stand for something. And, you know, when I speak, I'm going to, you know, be interviewed on Oprah one day and we're going to talk about, you know, how female empowerment is so important and, you know, all that you, you, you play, you do those things with yourself and, you know, you're in different sites. Sorry, my Puccini. Hi, happy uh, oh. Hi, Baba. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. So cute. Yes, oh. cute. I know you're cute. He's giving me his butt to like pat him. <laughs> I love you too. Um, yeah, but I got this the sides and I was like, oh, Nelly, I, this is just not in line with who I am. I felt so sick about it, like physically sick and nervous and um, I couldn't function. I, like I was, this is wrong, something's wrong. I can't do this. This isn't what I set out to do in this industry and this isn't who I am. And if I knew when they offered me the role, they didn't tell me about this. They only told me about the guitar playing girl on the beach, not yeah. the like sluz bag which you know no I didn't mean sh shame you know whatever no like, no like, whatever I get it time I was such a little baby like I, I was not I was like whoa yeah. like that's too much for me and I can't I don't want to do this that's not the story I want to tell the girl I want to tell this isn't the precedent I want to set for who I want to be in this industry you know and so uh I called them I called my agent I was like I can't do it and I remember having this huge moment up in my brother's bedroom, not even mine for some reason, where I like cried and cried and cried. And I said like a little prayer to the universe. And I'm like, this this could be the end for me. Like if you I had the idea it could ruin, you know, your relationship with your agent, you know, or casting director with this show, Australia, yeah. such a tiny little industry, such a little vacuum sealed industry that I was like, if I piss people off, you know, that I could be that could be it for all my hopes and dreams. But what do you, but on the other side, if I do it, I'm kind of dying to a part of myself. Like yeah. I'm, 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 this not, I don't, it's not being true to me right now. And yeah. I would be compromising a huge part of who I am. And maybe this is the test and maybe what I want to stand for and who I want to be in this world is more important than my pursuit of, of acting. Yeah. And so I think I was 18 and I, like, I, it was like, you know, another religious thing, like put, Abraham puts his son Isaac on the altar and goes, all right, God, this is what you asked of me. It kind of yeah. felt like that moment of sacrificing the thing I wanted and loved most in the world, especially at that time and going, all right, all right, I'm going to choose truth my truth i'm gonna yeah, choose what shout I think out for that. doing that man that's incredible <laughs> like in retrospect i'm like oh what a not what a baby but like now i'm like 
No, you're a part of telling the greater story that they wanted to tell. Yeah. But at the time you're a kid and you don't have that kind of greater perspective and you're standing for what you want to stand for and you're setting precedence for who you're going to be in this Your world. morality and your standards and you have to honor that. Whenever, even if they <laughs> shift, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter, you know? And I don't want to seem like some goody two-shoes, whatever. I've done crazy shit now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> but, but, you know, that you, I'm... I was more mature. I could handle those kind of storylines and do those kind of things as I like grew up a little bit and could understand what I was doing and my choice and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I called my agent and she was like, you can't do this. You shoot tomorrow. They can't recast in a day. And I was like, well, I don't know about all of that, but I just got the sides and it's not what they said it was. And so now I, this is, the new information has come to light and sorry, but this is how I feel about it. I'm so, so sorry. Don't fire me from your books, but this is, I'm sorry. Yeah. And so she called the casting and she calls me back and she goes, they're furious. And they said, you will never, ever work on this show ever again. And I oh my God. was obviously a wreck. I was just like, all right, well, I did the thing. I did the thing. I made the choice Yeah. and that's it. Well, it's been awesome and, you know, I'll, and this is before I went to university. So it was like, you know, well, I'm going to keep, you know, maybe I'll be a music therapist. I like the idea of using music and vibrations yeah. and tones to like bring healing. I don't know, maybe I'll do that for like special needs kids or so, you know, that was something I was thinking about. But um, the great part about this story is that when I finished Blue at a High, the kids surf show, um, there were four days left of that show and I got a call um, for an audition for a regular character on that show and I was like, what? I think they've forgotten. <laughs> 2004 or whatever. Yeah. And, okay. So I turned up to the audition, got a call back, uh, had a chemistry. Uh, we couldn't do a chemistry read because the lady playing my sister, the wonderful Esther Anderson, was in Melbourne at the time or something, so we couldn't do it. Um, but, yeah, and, oh, Another one. They called me for the callback. This was this was four days before I finished. So and did you know at this point it was the same casting director? Same casting director for the same show. Yeah. Oh, I think it was. I think the producer might have changed. But Got it. Okay. Casting director. I can't quite remember. Um, so I did the initial audition when I had like a day off and I went in, it went really well. And they called me in for the callback with the producer. That's right. Now the new producer was coming in and he wanted to like meet me and do this audition with me. And he's like, so it's Monday afternoon. I'm like, oh, uh, I have four days left of this show that I'm on and I'm in every day. Yeah. So I can't actually come to that, but I'm free Friday. And he's like, well, you, this character needs to start Monday. So I need start the, the following Monday. So I need to see you Monday or we can't cast yeah. you. But I can't, I have four days left on this, on this show. So I, I can't. And it, going through my head, it's like, well, and I talked to the producer. I'm like, please, can you write me out of a scene? Can you create a gap for me to, like, just quickly drive into the city and drive yeah, back? Yeah, I got to go get water. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Footsteps, footsteps, footsteps. But, like, I was like, well, this job could be the next four years of my life. Like, because they do three, three and a half, four-year contracts. And I was like, if I get this, this is this could set me up. This is everything that you can kind of work towards in the Australian yeah. But I've got four days left of this job and I don't want to screw them over by just yeah. not coming to work and, like, going to this audition. So, again, it was, like, this integrity crisis where I was like, well, what do I do? They're costing 
by not being lenient and helping me out, they're potentially costing me my next four years of work. That's not fair for them. It costs you both jobs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then I was like, but I don't know what to do. But I was like, all right, what's the right thing to do? Well, I'm currently employed by these people and I can't just not turn up. Like I have to just come to work and do my job. And again, it was this surrender moment where I had to go, all right, I let it go. It is what it is. I have to do this job. This is the timing. It is what it is. And then it came to the Wednesday afternoon, two days before wrap, and I got a call and they said, they still want you. You got the role. So without even going to the- You got the offer. (laughs) I got the offer and I was just like, this is a like it's an actual miracle because I was like I'd totally let it go I didn't I couldn't go to the audition like I couldn't do it but I think in retrospect if I'd gone like fuck you current job that didn't help yeah. me out, and just went to the audition who knows I could have blown it and yeah. then off these people easy to well. think about that wow yeah then again, I don't know. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a Cinderella story. I don't know how realistic that is to the rest of the industry, or if that stuff like that would still happen now because it's about ten. Well, there's years. Some, there's a beauty to that to just being. I think there's something the honor and you're in being young and and naive and sincere and earnest. Like there's something to that because everyone in this business sells their fucking souls to get a shot at this, and you know yeah. bad things happen. You know what I mean? And like. You did all the honorable things and good things happened. So it's so great to hear that. Well, yeah, in this in this case, in those scenarios, like it, it worked out. And then the next Monday I was in, you know, hair and makeup and rehearsals and table read for this incredible new character, Ruby Buckton, who I ended up playing for four years. And, you know, that character, she, I remember, she was like this bohemian, fun, young kind of like kid. And then one day this one particular girl left the show and they brought me into the costume department and all of a sudden my clothes are very different. They're all very dark colours. There were some blacks in there, you know, very kind of heavy clothes. And I was like, what's this about? And they're like, well, Belle left, so you're the dark one now. And I was like, what? This was, it's got nothing to do with the character, but it's just, it was just so funny how they're like, all right, this person so now y'all gonna do it and then the character just went into like hell they're like all right now you're an alcoholic um, oh my god now you cheated on that guy and, and now you're going now your your sister is now your mother and you were a rape baby and who you thought was your father was actually your grandfather and now he's has alzheimer's and is dying and then your sister mother gets shot by a gang member and then you go into more alcoholism and depression and then you start dating a guy who's still married and but is splitting up and then you fake a pregnancy to keep him but then you fake a miscarriage not to lose him and then he finds out and then you slash his wife's brother's tires oh my god this is a great tragedy it's a great tragedy and then you go to jail so that's kind of how it ended up and it was so funny going from this like young fun bohemian character who I was hired to play to like you're going to be the dark one now who causes all this trauma and drama and at the time I was like I read every read every week I'd read the scripts and go like oh I thought it couldn't get any worse I thought I couldn't cry anymore I could I thought I couldn't be more depressed I thought Were you were having I don't even know if I can use the word fun where was it even a a good experience doing that tapping into that or was that was that not because I mean it's traumatic at the time and it's hard when you're young you want to be liked yeah and it's hard to have to play 
the bigger picture of the puzzle pieces, I wasn't the princess. Like I wasn't the the blonde princess on the show. I was, yeah. you know, needed to do, tell other storylines. And at the time I really found it a compliment that they thought they could trust me with this kind of heavy stuff. So they must think I could be able to act at some capacity. Um, so that was a good thing. But also I was, every week I was like, could, could it get worse? And then it got worse. And, but every week I, you know, I never let up. I never because, you know, it's very easy when you're exhausted or when you've given all you think you have or when you think you're being kind of abused, in a sense, by the writing room to go like, you know what, fuck you guys. Yeah. I'm going to point it in. I'm going to, oh, my mom died. Oh. <laughs> what if I just do this with my hands a lot? Yeah, and I could just like, make, cheat it out. Yeah. You're a guy acting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> what if I do that a lot? Like, but I always thought you know, one, if I get to where I want to be, if I'm doing what I want to do in this industry, if I have the longevity in this career that I want, will I be able to phone it in on those sets? No, you, it doesn't matter what they put you through. You're going to have to show up and use this as your opportunity to go deeper, to work your muscle, to get better. And so right to the end of those four years, every, every scene I'm doing my, and I, at the end of the film, the, the Newcastle film, I forgot about this too, a, a bunch of dudes on that started um, um, a class called the Actors Pulse, which was my Sandy Meisner technique, and they are all like, yeah, you've got to do this thing, and if you want to be an actor, you have to come to acting class and do this really serious acting class. Yeah, and like, yeah I want to be a serious actor. I'm going to go to a really serious acting class and do the thing. So I went to the really serious acting class and did it concurrently with my life rather than full-time, so I do like... Anyone who has done Meisner know you have to go to like two nights of rep a week where you do repetition. So I'd do like two classes and two reps a week. So it was like four days. And I was doing that all the way through the the kids show and after the film. And then I did it for the first year of Home and Away. But working like five days a week and having scripts but then going to class. And like I'd be doing Tuesday nights at class, Wednesday, Thursdays at rep, and then Saturday morning another three, four hours at class. And class for Meisner is like what's your sermon at your funeral you know what i mean like, the... <laughs> like dying and your action is that you have to save him by d- doing keep the ball up with a soccer ball for like three minutes in a row and then someone's knocking at your door and you have to like fight that your cause is more important than their cause and like they have to win you over but it's all with repetition you're not allowed to say what's actually going on like you're honest you're honest <laughs> You're questioning. You're questioning. Back, <laughs> like it was a great, it was a great ex- exploration at the time, and I learned a lot. But I well, think it's also the, your stamina is incredible, Rebecca. My God, you know. But like, no, I was a young kid who was like, I haven't come from this industry, and I had a lot to prove of why I deserve to be there. Yeah, and and I wanted to be good. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't know. I have I have some raw talent in that. Like, I love to tell stories, but in terms of finessing, what is acting? Like, I don't know. I had no one really telling me, helping me, knowing what to do. We weren't. I, I didn't have some acting Yoda in my life to like help me. So I was just trying to get whatever I could from anywhere, you know, reading all the books and, you know, whatever. In Australia as well, it's like some big acting coach like Larry Moss or Ivana Chubuk would come and do like a week intensive in Australia. And anyone who took acting seriously would like audition and pay the money and get into the week intensive and do it in their holidays and, you know, grind their 
guts out doing these scenes to show that they're serious actors and we really care and we're learning and like I was in on it I'll do all the things but then after like a year it was of, of like doing class with work I was like it took so much energy it started to I feel like it started to siphon energy away from the show also I got to a point in class where you needed to like take your impediments out into the street yeah um so like I'm blind and then you'd like have to go down the main street of Newtown, like actually being blind, like method blind. You have to kind of do these things. And I was like, oh, people are just starting to kind of recognize me. I think it'd be pretty like for me to be like, you know, I don't know, put on a fat suit or pretend that I lost a leg in a horse riding accident. And yeah, cut to 2021. Yeah. But so I was like, I think I need to, bail out now but what stayed with me was I think the the work ethic that I learned because the what I loved about the class as well is everyone was so fucking tenacious they were there to do the work yeah um Aaron Glenane honorable mention he's one of my like troops that like learned with me he's doing really well as well he's working a lot um in the moment which is amazing um but you know it was this attitude of like do the work and I wasn't even the most tenacious there like I was trying to you know I was like oh I have to work tomorrow can I like leave early so I was you know I wasn't even the best student there but I think that that you know I want to learn and I want to do the work and you know to be doing this at all we're so lucky so just you know, learn your lines, turn up, do the work, because this is, and, you know, everyone says it about Home and Away, but it's a training ground and it is a training ground. You learn, you know, repetition, repetition, you hit your mark, you find your light, you make sure you can see the lens with your peripheral vision at any given point because the cameras are always moving and you learn how to, you know, you're doing 13 scenes a day. It doesn't matter how much dialogue you have in them. You learn those 13 scenes and come ready to go. And you got to get it in the first three takes because we don't have time. Like, let's yeah. go. So you you learn to peak early and you can't faff about. And even in the blocking, it's like, well, we kind of have to do a technical block while we're doing yeah. a creative block. And, and you learn how to go, all right, this is what the director or the DP needs, but this is also what I need. And how can we make that compromise from the get-go rather than learning a blocking that feels really good to me because I'm super creative, but yeah. like doesn't work for the shot because you've got some ugly flat white background behind you there's no depth of field and they're like well we're not going to use that anyway so you've just got this and then you end up in a fight with them because you're like well but this is what feels really organic to me and I don't know if I can be really organic and authentic in this scene if I'm doing something that doesn't feel real yeah. we'll just find something that feels real and suits everyone from the get-go because yeah. otherwise you're going to end up just feeling like you're selling your soul and that's not authentic to me well like you're in a you're in a you're in an orchestra it's just it's a visual orchestra rather than a you know than a sound orchestra and you've got to play your part and everyone's got to blend in together to make everyone shine yeah you know totally. not trying to make something shit like get along like make it work and and I love that problem solving and getting to a set and being like all right this is the set oh not what I pictured all right <laughs> <laughs> you know it's not how I thought yeah. it. how are we gonna yeah. make this work and make it awesome and you know, I think we get so much of that training there. And with that work ethic, you know, then you've, it, it sets you up to then get the job of a lifetime where you're suddenly playing Clarice Starling going from trauma to serial killers to more trauma to more serial killers yeah. without giving any <laughs> no it set you up inadvertently, you know what I mean? It didn't even know. I mean. I can't give any spoilers. But, you know, and then you're like, you're reading the scripts going, oh, my God, I didn't know it could get any worse than it does. I didn't know we could go any deeper, but it does. And you know what? 
I've actually done this before and I was trained for this and I didn't shy away or freak out when I had this before. So I can do it now. Yeah. You know, so every time you're put through it, you know, every time you're given an opportunity and it's challenging, I'm not here to give advice, but if I was, I'd say like, you know, take the bull by the horns because you never know what is setting you up and what is teaching you and what is setting the foundation for the next big opportunity that you're going to have that you yeah. want to, you know, live, you know, that you want to give your everything to. And, and, and to that, you know, young, you know, wide-eyed Rebecca that started to the one that was on that Gothic set and kept doing the work, you know, at what point did, uh, you start to think, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm working here. I'm, I'm, I got a job, you know, and I'm doing the work, you know, like maybe, maybe America, was that something that was always on your mind? Um, I think I'd had romantic notions of it as a child because, you know, Hollywood you see in the movies. It's like, of course, oh, classic, yeah. As an adult, like packing up your whole life, leaving all your friends and family, culture, community, everything you've ever known and like getting on a plane and just going somewhere like that, that's pretty um, daunting and I'm not sure, unless you're trying to escape something, I don't know. I No, but I was pretty adventurous. I always knew I wanted to travel. So travel was always on the thing. Like I think the way that it really helped up, um, helped me was that, first of all, in, in that meantime, I'd got a new agent who had kind of come. A better one me. because you had all these amazing credits. And they're amazing. Um, Mark Morrissey and Fleur, Fleur Griffin, they, they um, have a lot of fantastic connections in the States and that just to even get an agent, in America is I never understood how hard it was because for me I had a body of work and an agent that then kind of pitched me to people and I got to have meetings of people who were already interested so at the time I was like oh great I'm getting these meetings well who is it but like now in retrospect like having been back to acting classes in the states and meeting a, a lot of friends who are still just trying to get that meeting with the agent I'm like whoa it's like, impossible it's impossible. And I don't know how I would have done it anyway, other than what I did. Cause yeah. I would, you know, like I said, it's a bit of luck and chance and I'm just super grateful that Hard I had work, Rebecca. I mean, that's the constant yeah. throughout your story, you know, is like <laughs> the extreme stamina, dedication and willingness to, to compromise when needed, but not, but not to when it, it, it jeopardizes your integrity, you know? Yeah. I'm a pretty, I don't know if that's naivety or <laughs> just. It doesn't matter what it is. It's true to you. And you, you say to that and that that's, that's a beautiful thing. And that's something you should absolutely never apologize for. I think so, that's part of the lovely part of not being from an industry family. Yeah. Not being, you know, there's a, there's a kind of. A You're bigger of, than the industry instead of the uh, industry being bigger than you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like that. Um, but yeah, I had that hookup and then um, my boyfriend proposed who's now my husband Luke Mitchell what up shout know. out Luke what up yeah. bro Woo! <laughs> I'll bring him on the show next we'll hear his side of things <laughs> casually he was just in without remorse that came out you know oh time. shout out without remorse I'll link it in the bio <laughs> um yeah so he he proposed and I said yes obviously Woohoo! oh here um, amazing but then again we were kind of unconventional because we were telling our agents like uh, and these people when we were having the meetings had just got engaged I'm like I'm getting married and they're like oh, you're like a young actress coming to Hollywood who's married like 
So you got, this was all in Australia, the engagement and the marriage happened there. Yeah. So we got, we got married on a Saturday in January and then Sunday, because, you know, we're economical. We used our honeymoon. We, we spent five nights in Hawaii and went, you know, beach and surfing. And then we did five nights in Whistler and went snowboarding. And then we used that trip to then we ended up in LA, like a one-way thing, you know, because we were cheap and we didn't want to like pay for more flights. So we yeah. do our thing and then we use our honeymoon to get to the States and do our first pilot season, whatever that is. Like we didn't even know. Yeah. Um, I was actually really lucky for a lot of reasons. First of all, I had my best friend by my side. So we moved, I had a person to move into a house. Best friend meaning literally Luke or, or yeah. oh, okay. I didn't know if it was someone yeah. else. <laughs> well, George is also fantastic. Uh, uh. No, um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty unconventional to get married and then move and start going to the industry because people yeah. want to know that you have the flexibility and it was really hard in some ways being married because I I was really, again, I was a bit of an anomaly. I um, had my, I'd signed with agents in like, uh, American agents in like April, May. And then I think it was October, I finished home and away went to India and did this crazy Bollywood film, which is a whole nother story. Amazing. It was in the days when- Was that the music festival one? Yeah, uh, Bag Milka Bag. It's about an athlete. It's amazing. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, But this was in the days where tapes had just started, you know. So we had our little camcorder. We, like, bought these big lights. I got pillowcases and strung them around- um, uh, coat hangers that like I unwired and like created a screen thingy. Like it was amazing just audition commando style and we did it and um, we were, we were doing them and then it would take like seven hours for the tape to upload and be on the internet and go overseas. And you'd be like watching a computer, not letting it close. And like, it was pretty funny thinking back to it now how easy everything is, but I did an audition for a CBS actually um, half hour comedy to play Tony Shalhoub's daughter, and they really liked me. And they you flew, got it right. Yeah, they flew yeah. me over there, and I and I had no idea. I'd never been to Hollywood. I, I'd been for some meetings, but I just had meetings, and then I'd flown home and gone back to Australia. You know, so I'd never had an audition there. Then all of a sudden, I met like Radford in like, hey, today's a studio test, and like, interesting. What is that? <laughs> and it was like old school as well it's not like they show you tape to them it's like you're in a room with like 40 execs yeah. kind of a theater and you're like you have to project but it doesn't match the scene and all of a sudden I'm doing comedy and I just come off doing like you know Ruby Buckton trauma stuff and was like all right let's do this so I had fun with that and then the next day and there were these four other lovely girls who were going for it and the next day I turned back and like where's the other two girls and they're like, well, they didn't make it through to the network test. And I'm like, what's this? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, cool. Yeah. I guess that's my age is like, it's good. Like, relax. It like, just go with it. So then I did the network test again, like 40 very terrifying people looking at you. And you're doing a comedy, but they don't laugh. Oh, they're yeah. They do, they don't laugh. They're just, they're just sitting there. Like it's a very cold room because they don't want to give anything away or I don't know what the reason is, but they're sitting there going, hmm, could she be the one? And you're like, well, I don't know, I'm a kid. And anyway, I flew, I think I found out like an hour or two before my flight home, like it was like literally three hours after the audition. They like sent me back to the airport. Anyway, I found out 
got the role and I was like, this is amazing. Like, totally Did you have to stop the flight there. then at that point and, and stay? <laughs> no, because well, because this was like in October, we, we were shooting it in pilot season. It was okay, one of the got it, got it. Pass, which I didn't even know what pilot season was. Anyway, was like, yeah, I've got a job. So I was really lucky. I had like a visa being sorted out. Luke didn't, so he was just like, I'm just going to turn up on the three month like tourist visa, yeah, 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 auditions, and my wife's doing stuff. I don't know, maybe I'll have to go home. But at that point, moving to the states, a really long winded way to get back to your question. This all informed it was that. When we moved over, first of all, having a job really helped because I was like, well, at least I'll have a visa and like a pilot. So and, and because you're married, you can get him one, correct? Or well, I don't think it worked on those kind of visas on like O ones. Mm, I don't think that's, that's how it worked. But we were just like, we're just going to go for an adventure. We're going to go for a couple of months. I'll shoot the pilot and we'll see what happens. There was no like, we're going to go for seven years. Yeah, we're or, like next five, ten years of our life. If not, we'll come home. You know, yeah, doing yeah. this. It's just like, let's just show up for as long as we're allowed to be there and like meet some people, go to some rooms, give it our all and have some fun, you yeah. know, and see what happens. And within two weeks, he got the Tomorrow People, one of Blanty's first like big yeah, amazing shows that he did. And we were just kind of like, you got a job. I got a job. That's pretty cool. We both got jobs. We both yeah. got users. And Power then we- couple. <laughs> like at the time we were so naive. We had no idea. And I, I don't know if it's this beginner's luck thing, but you know, then we, because it was CW and CBS, we were at the upfronts together, like literally oh, the same man. same travel schedule. Like same travel schedule. Yeah. He was in Vancouver, I was in LA. So that was the hard thing where it's like, well, I'm in this new place. And, I'm, and then we both got picked up to series, sorry, which was like, what? Yeah. Which again, we didn't know how needle in a haystack that was. Yeah. Like to even get jobs in pilot season and then to get picked up was crazy. And I know everyone kept saying to me, do you realize, like, do you realize how lucky you are? Do you realize how big this is? And I was like, honestly, I'm telling you, I don't because I have no context to understand it. And and the purest in me, the woman of integrity, the one who wants to earn it, there was a part of me and my poor self-esteem and self-sabotage that was also like, you should know. Why should it be so lucky for you? I had a massive imposter syndrome. And I think in a way I kind of invited on upon myself um the show got cancelled after two episodes that went to air we shot nine um we were the first show to be cancelled in that pilot season i found out on twitter on the way to watch the premiere for luke's show oh my god whoa so you you have these experiences of like the high high followed by the low low and then you whole, the whole world gets ripped out from under you because this was the thing that, like, gave me any kind of structure of being in this other country. It had given me a visa. It gave me friends. It gave me something to do. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh. And then, you know, the first, because I'd only gotten the, the first auditions I'd gone for in the States, I was like, okay, well, if I don't, I have to get the next one. Like, I can't be unemployed or I can't get a no. You know, you just play these games with yourself. And I didn't get the, like, next couple of auditions I went for I was like oh okay this is and then I you know I was a newly a newlywed who was essentially immediately doing non-distance long distance from my husband and he was working like his show didn't get cancelled they did the full 22 episodes so he was in um Vancouver what's that he was in Vancouver um, shooting and I was just like I probably should have stayed in LA and done auditions but I was like I don't care I I wasn't I wasn't ready to just be by myself. Yeah, I had massive separation anxiety. He was my only piece of home that I brought, like, <laughs> sorry. Oh, it's okay. 
<laughs> Someone's <laughs> here. Ah. Um, yeah, it was all of a sudden I'd moved away from my friends and my family, my home. I'd only ever lived, lived. I traveled, but I hadn't lived in Sydney. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was living in another country. And then my only safe net was Luke and he was in a different country now. And I, so I just was like, I'm sorry. My people wanted me there to like uh, audition and stuff. And I was like, I couldn't handle it. Like I just went to Vancouver and I hid out with him in our little like basement apartment and just, you know, was kind of in this shell shock of like, what do you mean it? got cancelled and like I was yeah. counting on it so much and it was such a part of what made me feel safe being here and then all of a sudden it wasn't there so and then I um was it traumatic for you navigating yeah, that it was absolutely traumatic because I didn't have the emotional maturity I didn't have the skills I was still dealing with a lot of my own insecurities to yeah. be able to and then I think I had a lot of anxiety and social anxiety that hadn't um, manifested itself yet because you've been so busy well I think it had Yes, definitely that. But also um, we weren't talking about that at that time. We weren't talking about anxiety and depression and diagnosing yeah. things for, for normal people yeah. that were in their lives. So it wasn't a thing. And so whenever I was in LA, I had like people that I knew being like, hey, we should hang out. or And I'd always, I couldn't do it. Like I didn't, I, I wasn't you know, like I would find some excuse and I was, a, I was a classic flake and a bail on everything because all I could do, I just wanted to like, now I look back and I'm like, oh, you were suffering a brand of your brand of anxiety and, and depression and, and separation anxiety and being away from home. Like you weren't handling it. And I didn't, I didn't handle it very well for the first couple of years of being here. And then, you know, I went through, I think 2014, I didn't book a job and I was here just like ripping my hair out. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the dark night of the soul. You know, if anyone's read Saving the Cat, you know, that moment where yeah, you're like, of course. you know, like, why, why am I here? But it's everything that I kind of, I think deep down brought upon I myself. I love that you shout out. Great book. One of the best. Great book. Yeah. Um, but I needed, I think I needed context. I wanted to understand what the industry really was. I didn't like people going, do you know how lucky you are? And me going, no, I'm ignorant, naive, and I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I went. So you feel like it was good for you in some ways, in hindsight at least, you know? I feel like I didn't. I feel like at the time I felt like I had to go through it to, like, earn my battle scars or, like, again, I had imposter syndrome and I wanted yeah. to feel like I earned it. I really earned it being there. And how can you earn it if you don't have to really work hard or if you go through those years where you can't book a gig and how do you really know what that's like? And you're, you're a spoiled brat. I had this, this kind of thing going on that was just unhealthy and I think it was a lot to do with insecurities and imposter syndrome and not just giving myself permission to shine and not realizing that I had been doing the hard work all my life and that yeah. you know and I, I think I thought I think I wanted to prove it to others but really I think I just needed to prove it to myself and yeah. I really needed to work on my insecurities and my imposter syndrome and give myself permission and go you know what you are actually worthy and allowed to to shine in this industry um there's no reason why not you and I think that Luke and I kind of came up with the same well why not us yeah you know, that, that's so that, beautiful great like there's room for all of us and I think yeah. that's what I had to realize as well is just because you have success it's not taking away from someone else's especially now with so many platforms and so many shows and so many opportunities you know there is infinite resource in this universe and yeah. I had to get my head around my success um I don't have to but it's not taking away from someone else's. Everyone can have their own brand and their own 
um, and their own journey and their own success. Um, don't compare and despair, you know. Yeah, don't do that and, and don't sabotage yourself because you feel bad that you've had some or that, you know, and it's this tall poppy thing in Australia as well that you, you've, you know, the poppy that right, the flower that rises above the others get its head cut off. Like you have to be a part of the masses. Yeah. You know, so that's a thing as well. Like just letting yourself um, do you and whatever that looks like, um, em- embrace it. But I, you know, I had my, my dark night of the soul to go through and come out the other side and, you know, and then it just, you know, I got jobs here and there. I was really lucky. I was still, you know, I, I ended up booking some more things and, um, but then I still had had such a huge confidence hit that I'd go to set and you'd, I'd be nervous and second guessing myself and the stakes at auditions were so high. And, you know, I, I, it's so connected to your personal work. Like for me, my journey was so connected to my, there's no separating them. It's like the journey I was on. Absolutely. Who said it to me? It was a wonderful acting coach I talked to called Kim, but she goes, your spiritual work and your creative work are, are the same thing. You can't separate them. Yeah. So, and, and for some people in lieu of spiritual work, they have creative work and that's what speaks to them. Some people have both, some, you know, whatever. But like I know for me, my journey as a person and the kind of stuff that I've had to deal with has absolutely reflected concurrently like with with my career and getting to the point where I was able to to show up to that audition for Clarice and not feel Let's like... Let's talk about that because I'm getting the the five-minute heads-up message. Um, right. So talk to me about Clarice because I want to make sure that, you know, we have a second to talk about it before. Yes. Um, so yeah. how, how did... So you... <laughs> so to summarize, you, you had that moment and then you had obviously some work that you did. You had some incredible, like the originals and other things, but it was sporadically and then busy moments. And then talk to me about right before Clarice, where were you at and how did this all come together? Yeah, I started just, I stopped whinging about stuff and lamenting. And I just started, I just, I, you know, when they talk about momentum, I just started it. Like I was going back, I went back to acting class. Cause I was like, I miss acting. I miss acting. It's like yeah. a long distance relationship where I'm like sending all the love and I don't hear, Ugh. you know, you get in these pity spirals. And I was like, you want to act, go act, like go to a class. Yeah. Right. So, ooh, duh. so I went to a class and was like, finally acting again. It felt so good. And then I was like, well, maybe I could write something. I don't know. So you know, I started reading children's book and then I went back to school. I got a degree in nutrition because I was like, would well, that also, you know, I did that on the road because oh we were traveling all the you time. You have to come back on for part two. This is like, <laughs> there's no way that. <laughs> but I have, I've, I've been in, I've been self-indulgent. I've given you. No, I, I hope it's been okay. Cause I, I love it. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, it's are, are you, are you, are you having fun? I hope. Yeah, I am. And I don't really talk about this stuff, you know, like you've, you've Thank found you, for- you talk about, they know it, you know, you don't need yeah. to rehash your journey to them. Um, but yeah, I, and then I wrote, a, you know, amongst just, just doing me, I just got my life going, you know, I'm going to study nutrition. I was working for a nutrition company and I really loved that. I was writing, a, I am writing a book called Dear Moonface, everything I wish I knew when I was you for like Amazing. young girls to do, you know, and then I wrote a short film. I was like, I don't know, can I write stuff? Let's just try it. And actually I ran into my friend Samara Weaving in an airport and she was like, oh, I'm doing a short film. I was like, really? Oh, you mean we can do stuff? Like I, you do it. Well, maybe I could do it. Yeah. You know, so it really inspired me. So I wrote a short film and then I took it to some friend, like my friend Noah Rosenthal is a 
you know, DP and my friend who wanted to get in, who was like um, directing in an actress, Lil Henstridge, and oh, we want to do it. And then one thing after another, you make a short film, you're like, oh, I did that. And then, I don't know, you start just building this like, oh, I can do stuff. And then I turned up to pilot season 2019 just kind of as a like, really surrendered, like really in a headspace where I was like, you know what, i got so much cool shit going on that like I've started, I've generated and like, you know, jobs are, jobs will come and go for the rest of my life. It's cool. Like, but I'm doing me and I'm good and I'm just going to show up and whatever. You were in a good place as, as in a, Rebecca, in a, you know what I mean? Not, not yeah. the acting, not the bullshit, you know? Rebecca was in a great place. Yeah. There was neediness. I was really grateful to like, even, you know, like again, seeing a a greater scope of the industry. I was like, I'm so lucky that I like can go to pilot season and I get auditions for pilots. Like that's yeah. awesome. Like I'm so blessed to be, to be in the room. I was so, I got to a point where I was so grateful to just be in the room that I was like, this is fun. Let's do yeah. this, you know? And, you know, I did some good auditions. I did some bad auditions. And then like a week before the audition, I was talking to my friend Lincoln Younes, who um, was cast in the Lost Boys pilot. And he told us like on this walk, so casually, like halfway through the walk, we're like, what? How did you not tell us? I think <laughs> I punched him three times. I was so excited for him. He's like, well, what's going on for you? I'm like, look, I've had a few auditions, but you know, it is what it is. You know, I don't have a huge profile. I'm like, you know, not an older actress, but like, you know, I'm not a, a part of the fresh face generation now, you know, this, it is, this, this, it is what it is, you know, that's cool. Like, and then like literally, I think it was a couple of days later, the, my, um, my audition, my email pinged. <laughs> this is, all, this is actually a longer than five minute story. I feel bad, but you know, um, my friend Lil had Elizabeth. Hens- I, I've got the, I, uh, I, at the time, if you got, you have to, yeah, I, I, I got time. Yeah. I got the time. I got the time. All right, cool. Um, and yeah, my friend Liz Beth Henstridge had gone in for Clarice. She's like, "Bet you'd be perfect for it." And there's this other one, Prospect. That and I and I was like, you know what? This, uh, I don't want to be the like needy blur. So, but at the same time, I'm learning to like have a voice with my agent, and my manager, and be like, "Hey," because I I want to be the like, "It's cool." If they got something to tell me, they'll tell me. Like, yeah. don't be, don't be the desperate needy like <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to learn that like, hey, it's cool to check it. Like you're, you're a team, you're collaborative, send of them course. an email, you know, how, you know, grow the self-esteem and send the email. It's cool. You know, you're not up yourself for like sending an email and like going, yo, is anything happening right now or whatever? You know, I had to learn that balance as well. So I, I told, I, after Lil talked to me, I went back and cause I'd gone in for prospect, but it was the morning I arrived on the plane and I felt like I was really jet lagged and I didn't do it justice. And I was like, oh, do you think I could do that again? Cause I hear that my friend told me they're still looking. So I just taped from home and sent it in and I don't know, it was okay. And I followed up on that and they're like, oh, look, I don't think any of these are going forward that you've asked about, but um, we're getting a new for Clarice tomorrow. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's what Lil had told me about that. I just kind of was like, oh, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll come to me, whatever. And then it came to me and I was like, oh, that was like three weeks ago. She told me about this. They're still looking. That's interesting. So I... I printed out the sides and was like, whoa, nine pages therapy. Oh, and I shit. read it and the, the, the language was, the dialogue was so sophisticated and I'm pretty sick of the whole like two dimensional female character is pretty as she is. Like, yeah, there's oh, better at being as pretty as they are cute than me that I'm like, or like the, you know, the whatever that I'm like, Ugh. fuck I'm, this. Yeah. I'm bored of it, you know? Yeah. So when I read a highly intellectual, highly complex smarter than the therapist you know what i mean 
pissed. It was like manna from heaven. I was, it was like oxygen again. I was like, oh my gosh, she's, she's smart, but she's also very broken. But, but you know, like, it was like an electric, an intellectual playground. Like, do we want to go on the swings? Do we want to go down the slide? Like, what, what are you going to use on this line? And what are you going to use on, not like actions, but like the way everything she was doing was like, I'm going to divert his question this way. Then I'm going to put him back on, put it back on him like this. And everything was, it was like, um, yeah, it was like a chess. It was like a chess match, I guess. But yeah. you know, it was this playground for me, and I was like, "Oh, how fun we get to do this!" And there was so much dialogue that for the f- first time, I think ever, I did the thing in my notes where I re- like recorded the other line so I could get the cues because I wanted to be able to play. I didn't yeah. want to just turn up and be like half reading the lines and like, sorry, you gave me less than 24 hours. This is all I can do. Thanks. And did you have to like do feel like in some ways you're doing this Jodie Foster impersonation no. on so or were you not even worried about that? No, I I was just like, I didn't have the time. I had it came in at three in the afternoon. I was going in at 1030 the next morning. So oh, I was like, wow. You don't have time to think about this. Yeah. You really and and I think having that many lines was the greatest gift because there was no time to freak out about it. Yeah. If I had time to freak out, I had time to go over my lines again. So just go over the lines Make again. Make sure you had the beach down and, yeah. and and honor the writing because you said it was great writing, you know? Fantastic writing. Yeah. I wanted to have fun with it. I was so grateful to have such a great bunch of scenes to play with as an just from an acting point of view that I was like, oh, I just want to be able to eat this up and chew on it and, and, and have fun, like yummy, 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 fun, fun, fun. But I want to be able to do that and you have to be off book to a certain degree to be able to know that and understand the character. So I, I, I recorded the other lines on my voice memos and sat there till 11 o'clock at night just drilling, drilling, wow. drilling. mastery of the text. And, and, the, and like maybe two hours into doing this in a standard American, I went, maybe I should just read the the. Because I was so excited about it, I just I barely read the breakdown. I read the breakdown, it said Appalachian accent. I was like, oh, no, 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 it wasn't even in the, I didn't read the breakdown. It was at the top of the sides. It said with a hint of Appalachian. And I was like, Appalachian. I don't even know what that means. I'm American. <laughs> Appalachian. I was like, that's a mountain range, I'm pretty sure. So maybe they they mean that she's like a bit standoffish. She's icy and and, and jagged edges and, yeah. and like on a faraway peak. I'm like, <laughs> informs where she's at you know she's you know she's kind of on an on an iceberg with this guy you know she's in here and she's cold and she doesn't want him to come anywhere near her kind of thing and then I was like wait a minute hold on a minute and I read the the thing I was like wait a minute Silence of the Lambs that's right and I read the the sides was like Appalachian accent I was like oh it hit you then that thing and so I quickly like just YouTubed Appalachian accent. Listen, Appalachian, I think you're supposed to say. Sorry, everyone. Um, I'm learning. Uh, and there was a you know a couple of YouTube clips of someone kind of teaching you how to do it, but also um, you know an, a, a documentary in West Virginia with you know Appalachian yeah. locals. And then and then I and then Jodie Foster popped up, and I was like, I don't want to get in my head about trying yeah, to be. Yeah, God, you can crush you copycat her but this accent can lean this way or that way and I just want to see where she's pitched it and like remind myself of the world so I watched the I watched one clip which is like the one that pops up on YouTube which is when she meets Lecter for the first time and I just watched that and I was like uh, like listen repeat I was like okay that's kind of where she's pitched it I like that 
um, and it informs the character. So um, rather than me having to figure out where I want to pitch it and like finesse that, I'm just yeah. going to go with where she is because I can hear it. Yeah. And and I think this is where the music, growing up with all the music, really helps me because I can. I'm. I never could play piano by reading it. I I would hear it and then I'd play what I heard. Yeah. You know. So you know, it's the kind of the ear thing. So I'd hear her and then I would do it, and then. I kind of tried it on a little bit and then I called Luke. I was like, yo, I have to do this Appalachian Appalachian accent with this. And he's like, babe, if it's freaking you out, don't do it. Just do standard American. If they like you, they'll bring you back and then you can finesse it. But if it's going to take you out of the scene. Yeah, you can ruin it. Just the standard American. Don't let it get in your head. Don't let it take away from your performance. And I was like, that's really good advice. Noted. And then I went upstairs and we're going over it and I just went, what if I just tried a bit with the accent, you know, let's just see if I can do it. And then it just happened. Like it, it, like I wish I had more technical, you know, insights for it, but it just kind of happened as I applied it. But then boom, there was the character because she's Clarice Starling, right? Yeah. And when you see the, the sir and the ma'am and the thank you, like, thank you, sir. Like once yeah. you, once you get it in the mouth, it's like, oh, there she is. Like, cause it informs her upbringing, her history, um, socioeconomic status, religion, like all of those things uh, are informed or at least suggested by that accent. So all of a sudden there she was. I was like, oh, yeah. well, this really helps. And and he came he came back into the room at like 11 or something going, do you want me to like read him with you? And I was like, yes, please. Oh, my gosh. And he had an audition the next day as well, like a quick turnaround. So he was wow. doing the same thing in another room and we helped each other. Anyway, he read my lines and he, I saw him look up and he was like, that's kind of, that's good. Like you You've learned it and you've done the accent. Like, I think, like, obviously. Cross your eyes, dotted your T's. Yeah, it's obviously yeah. a testament to how, like, that's not always the case. I said that wrong, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, he was like, whoa, you've, had, you've, like, you've done this. And I was like, yeah, weird. Well, not weird, but like, cool. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, all right, just you go, Glen Coco. So I went in the next morning and was super well weird amount of zen I think just because I don't know I went into character a bit and she is she puts she has a mad game face you know she just gets in the zone Clarice Starling is like an amazing zoner you know boom this is what I have to do and I'm not going to let anything shake me and I'm a capable woman I'm going to put my head down until it's done and so I just kind of did that and she doesn't let her well she doesn't at least let anyone see any amount of ego or self-doubt or questioning or do I have permission to do this or not? She, she gives us, she gives it to herself. She, she just takes this, you know, she, she just puts one foot in front of the other and does the thing. She doesn't wait for the men at the FBI to give her permission to be a woman. Yeah. Does it, you know, and she doesn't think whether or not she should go down into the basement after Buffalo Bill. She just does it because yeah. that's the next it's obvious. The right thing to do. That's the job. It's the job and it's what she's chosen and it's the right thing to do and it's what she has to do, you know. And so I just kind of was like, all right, we'll just do what Clarice would do. Yeah. So I just went into the audition and did the work and put my head down, didn't let my ego or insecurities or question, can I do this? Do I have permission to do this? Am I allowed to do this? How can I self-sabotage this? All that voice was just like, no, no, no. See you later. Like, you don't have time. Just do the work. Just do the work and have fun. And if you're ever worried, make it about the reader, you know, which which is always a bit hit and miss. But I was really lucky to actually have April Webster in the seat 
doing the scene with me and she'd done it 10 billion times by that point. So she wow. pretty well knew it. Um, and yeah, it was just, and it was such a respectful environment. I was one of the most respectful, wonderful casting environments I've ever been in. Like yeah. I, the only person in the room, so I could actually really prep. And then when the next, when the person in the room left, I was brought in, like they, they, they did that system really well so that you could pre-pandemic casting, pre-pandemic casting. Wow. Like, Amazing. Like it Hard was to find happening. That. You don't get that. Well, no, but it yeah. was the, the pandemic was happening. It just hadn't reached our shores yet, so to speak. And Got so, it. yeah, I did, did the audition. We did the first take first scene, second scene. We were only two at this point. And then we went back to the first scene once and then that was it. And you just kind of felt really good. And she was yeah. like, you hanging around here for a while. And here he is. Honorable mention. Luke what Mitchell. up? Yay! <laughs> I think. Love it. He's a bit shy. Um, <laughs> so cute. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then we had a little chat. And then I went home and just passed out because I was like, whoa. I was like, you know, because I was in the zone. And then I got a call like maybe three hours later where they're like, they want to test you tomorrow. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. And they want to add a scene. And I was like, whoa, okay. And they added a scene. It was the panic attack with Catherine Martin on the phone. Yeah. But it was like, oh, that's intense. That's all her trauma. Cool. So I turned up to Radford, you know, learnt that, did it. And um, we were met Jenny um, Lamette and Alex um, Kurtzman in there and yeah. like, pretty blown away and we did four hours it was a four hour audition to the point where Alex would be like okay we'll try it like this okay let's do this let's do that on that line and let's do this on that line and every single take he'd finesse and finesse and finesse to the point where I was like am I not doing this right do you want me to hold on to all the notes and then add this note as well or is it like let's just try something new note but I you know it was a very collaborative very in in retrospect I realized he was just exploring and he was like on this person what could this look like and let's try all these different you know we were in the playground again essentially but at the time my ego was piping up going am I not doing it right why do we have to do it so many times I thought I nailed that one yeah I felt great about that yeah totally and you start to question it anyway and I finally like finished this marathon audition and I walked out of there and I was like whoa that was an intense 48 hours I did the thing I did I gave this my all so whatever happens happens and like let it go and I, I you know I had my little FBI ponytail I let my yeah. ponytail out I was walking down like out of Radford down Studio City and then I get a call and I, and I was about to because I hadn't eaten anything so I was so nervous I didn't know it was going to go for four hours so I'm like where can I eat and I get a call going uh the memory card uh we oh having- my god could you come back and i was like <gasps> mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'll come back great yeah so, like found a portuguese tart because it was the only thing like ready to go so i'm like having this mad sugar rush with this adrenaline rush i was like Brr. i got back thank god i found out it was only the first scene but like still the first thing is the therapist thing the nine pages so we yeah. me like maybe four to get back into it also because of the fatigue. And then I was like, have I just lost myself the audition? Because that wasn't my best work. Because I was I let you're it, seen it outside of yourself. Right? Oh, yeah. it was a mind game. Anyway, the next day I'm like, oh, I was at the gym. I'm going to find out. Like, be cool, be cool, be cool. I get a call going, it's not a yes or a no. And I was like, okay, what is it? And they're like, we, they want you to come in again. They, Alex wants to have a meeting with you today. And can you come in on Monday? The studio, um, the network wants to see you in full hair and makeup on a set. And we're going to do an audition like this. 
Um, they've let go of the other girls they had on hold. They're bringing one back. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I know how hard that is. I've yeah. been there before, so I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm on this side of it this time. Yeah. You know, I think I uh, also, for anyone listening, I think I'd gone through maybe 11 test deals that I didn't get. I got 11 wow. of those having signed the contract, been in the test, network studio in those years I'd done maybe yeah. that I didn't get so and I I was pretty overhearing mm, it didn't go your way this time I was yeah. my agent I was like if I hear it didn't go your way this time one more time I'm going to explode yeah. but it, you know but but yet we do it again we, we we keep coming back for more because we love it totally. um, so anyway I like ran to this meeting with Alex we had this amazing kind of two-hour chat about PTSD and trauma and kind of trying to understand each other a little bit, added another scene, so now it's four scenes. So spent the weekend kind of just trying not to freak out and going over all the the work, keeping about the work. And then Monday we went in, full hair, makeup. They were choosing outfits. We had a full crew. They had like a lunch break right before my like panic attack Catherine Martin scene. So I'm like, I can't eat. Like I'm freaking out of it. Like I'm about to let myself go into like a chalk pit. So like my stomach's everywhere, but they were like eating their watermelon. I'm like, okay. Just- <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Be cool. Be cool. Be cool. Be cool. Be cool. And now like the whole of Secret Eye out. So Heather Caden and Aaron Byers is there and, you know, they're all sitting by the monitors and we're in the, the set of the neighborhood that we use that set. And I, it was another four and a half hours. And I wow. was like this, they are taking this seriously. Like yeah. the most intensive like audition process of, I've ever been through not only that, the most intensive audition process I've actually heard of any of my friends and all the I'm same. I'm, I'm 150 episodes in. I've never heard of anything like this. Yeah, that was, it was, it was full on. Um, and God bless the poor actress after me who waited around, I think for like two and a half hours having wow. to just listen to me and hear, I felt so. Crush it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but like you know that's yeah, hard. yeah, yeah i know i know yeah. i've been there <laughs> yeah and you yeah. don't i've been there before you don't know yeah. when they're gonna call you so you've got to stay in the zone but then you have been in there for an hour and it's like i'm now getting fatiguing this yeah. and it just off i could have just switched it back on with like five minutes notice but now i'm kind of like i've used all this energy up like it's such a hard yeah balance to get and it you know I just have so you much went to drama school just to get this role my god in the audition yeah it was intense and then um yeah and then the next day it was like Tuesday lunchtime I think by this point and I got a call from Jenny and Alex and I answered the phone and they just said hello Clarice no way <laughs> <laughs> them and I just I just I didn't collapse physically, but I had like an internal collapse. And then I just, I was on the, we were in Malibu to get lunch because we couldn't think. So we're like, let's just drive. Because my husband was waiting to hear about something as well. And we were were just running in circles. Oh, no, no, he wasn't. I was out by the the highway. I just got this phone call and I was just running in circles. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with it. So anyway, that was the, that was the, the call. And then, you know, I'd, was in chemistry reads that week for Luca and Devon's characters. And then the next week I was, oh, and on spent Saturday and Sunday doing FBI training. So like, we want to get you in there. We have to make sure you've got this in your body and everything. And then the Monday I was on a plane um, to, to, to Toronto. And then we did two weeks of. I'm just my thing. My, my, my charger's coming out. Oh, sorry. I 
Talk oh, to it's me. okay. I love this. How embarrassing. Um, well, I'm getting to the end of it now. Like okay. this, this is my last little story. But um, they, I, we got there and about a week and a half into prep for the pilot, I started to notice the news was kind of getting more intense and then they closed down sports stadiums while I was at the gym without a mask on, huffing and puffing, people around, this is mid-March, and going, what do you mean they shut down the, like here in, in Toronto, they, they're shutting down the stadiums? Yeah. And that was the first moment where I was like, oh, this might affect this op- this big opportunity in my life, like what is going to happen with this? And then two days later before the table read, Steve Stark and all the guys from MGM had flown out to Toronto and while they were on the plane, um, things had gotten a lot more serious in the city and they landed to go, we need to shut the pilot down. And we were two days from camera, like two days from camera. So we didn't even do the table read. Everyone just, they were like, get on a plane and get to wherever wherever home was. And at the time I didn't have a home. We'd been like kind of like Airbnb couch hopping. So we were like, we don't even know where that is. But, yeah, my show got shut down. My husband had got um, a role in Republic of Sarah in Montreal. So he was only an hour flight away. So I was like, oh, I don't know. So I flew to him. And then we flew back to Australia and then just had this strange two-month period of going like the world has shut down and no one knows what's going to happen. And we just got these like kind of seven years later we get to have this redo if we both get pilots, you know, and again he's on CW and I'm on CBS again. It's this weird like come full circle thing. But now it's COVID and we're like, well, what does that mean? And obviously there are more serious things going on than whether or not we get to do these jobs. But obviously we're going, well, I, I don't know. We would really like to be able to still do these, but yeah. we didn't shoot the pilot. And then um, May turns around and uh, by some wondrous miracle, we both got picked up to series without shooting a pilot and we're wow. part of a very, very lucky few Um that actually got to make the show. And I say that with a heavy, heavy heart. Cause you know, I know people and have friends. People that, got on the chopping block for reasons that were out of their control. Out yeah. of their control and I can't imagine the, the heartbreak that, that that would have been, well, I can, cause I've yeah. kind of, you know, um, <laughs> different times and different levels, but never something like this, never something global that no yeah. one saw coming, you couldn't control. Um, so yeah, we were we were uh, we were at the end of the rainbow in this in this scenario, and yeah, got to, did add everything has been on Zoom, like table yeah. been on Zoom, like wow. it, yeah, it's just been like all the press has been on Zoom, which has kind of been a relief because the yeah. hours have just been so monumental that I don't think I could have yeah gone on a plane and gone to New York to do this talk show. Like I needed to be sleeping and learning lines. Yeah, and any press from my lounge room and. Yeah that's it. Like as soon as we're done, I'm going back to sleep or I'm learning more lines. You yeah. know? And you just finished. Congratulations on that. That's so huge. I'm so proud of you. You're so incredible in that show and you've brought so much to it and you're, you're, you're going to win an Emmy, a, a golden globe. And it's, it's so fucking deserved, dude. It's all of this story is like, is, is, is listening to justice prevail. And I'm so grateful for your time and this journey. My God, Rebecca, I'm so proud yeah. of you. I know we went massively over time, but it's fun to talk about this kind of stuff. And I yeah. know come back on for part two and we'll figure we'll figure the middle part out. <laughs> I talk about stuff that if I were me when I was 
17 listening to this, what would be encouraging to hear? What would yeah. what would I want to know? What could be helpful to do or not do? So I hope that somehow I haven't just been self-indulgent, but what I've been talking about is somehow going to inspire people or help people or encourage people that are on this very crazy, amazing, wild, heartbreaking, yeah. gut-wrenching, dream-making ride that we have all chosen to be on and I think to choose to be an actor and to choose to be an artist um is a very brave courageous thing to do and you know everyone who's listening to this or even if you're just interested in being an actor thanks heaps for listening (laughs) to my long stories and um yeah I hope you got something out of it and I really appreciate being a part of this today Ryan thank you Rebecca thank you from the bottom of my heart tell your husband I'm I'm coming for him one day soon we'll talk (laughs) without remorse and uh yeah yeah, I'm 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 such a big fan of yours You're, you're crushing it I'm so proud of you thank you if you ever make it to New York City look me up let's get coffee and we'll uh We'll, we'll 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 laugh some more and we'll have some more fun and and come back on and I'm sending you and your family so much love, okay? Thanks back at you. I really appreciate it. Okay, all right. So much love. Take care, all right? All right. Thank you. Bye. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.